I've kind of been really uh, waiting on him and, and, and what, what he is saying. He started speaking to me really, really early this morning. Um, we may get to what's on the screen behind me, but I, I have to tell you uh, what Father's just been impressing to my, to my spirit. And, and I, guess, I guess the best way I could, I could title this is the week of all weeks. The week of all weeks. And it's based on what we read together in in the Gospels. And I would like to look at one location about it in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. Um, actually, it's chapter 19. Um, I, I, I screw. I uh, I scrolled down so far, I jumped into chapter 20, but you want to go to Matthew 19, verse 1. And when you, when you get there, here's, here's what we have happening, okay? Jesus is, is about to make his entrance into the city of Jerusalem for the last seven days of his earthly ministry. What's, what's referred to as his earthly ministry, his, his 33 and a half years here on earth as a man. And he starts off this day, he's, he's in Bethany where he raised Lazarus from the dead earlier. And as he, Bethany is, is on the Mount of Olives and as he crosses to the west side of the Mount of Olives, he, uh, he reaches a point where he can see the, the entire city. It's, it's, an, amazing, it's an amazing view. I, I've been there a few times. And as he's, as he's looking over the city, he, uh, he sends his disciples in. He says, uh, I want you to go in to the city. You're going to find a donkey uh, tied and the colt of that donkey tied there with it. I, I want you to bring them to me. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ride them into the, in, into the city. And so they bring Jesus, the donkey. And as he starts riding into the city, the crowd starts cheering him and, and declaring his greatness and declaring his praise, calling him the son of David now, as, as he's coming in and the crowds are cheering and, and, and hollering his praise, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they realize the crowd is declaring him to be Messiah. And so they come to Jesus and they, they say to him, Jesus, you better, you better shut this up. And Jesus looks at them and says, if they remain silent right now, 
the rocks are going to start crying out my praise. You know, There's, there was an old, old chorus that was out years ago. Uh, it went like this. Ain't no rock going to cry out in my place. Long as I'm alive, I'll glorify his holy name. I, I love that song because I don't want, I don't want anything inanimate declaring praise to the Lord. I want to make that praise. Come on. Amen. What he's done in my life. And, uh, and so they continue praising. And it, it, of course it's driving, it's driving the religious leaders crazy because they're declaring this guy from Nazareth to be Messiah. And no good thing can come from Nazareth. Besides that, Jesus has been doing things that's making it really, really difficult for them to deny that he's got to be a man of God. Because you can't do these things unless you're a man of God. And they know that there's a handful in the Sanhedrin that are beginning to be swayed by this man. Nicodemus, Joseph of Arimathea, who are two very, very influential Pharisees. And as they, as, as they move into this now, what's, what's really, really curious about this whole thing, there's another guy in the Sanhedrin that's a part of this whole thing and watching this entire thing going on, who is later going to be extremely significant. He's a man of diminutive care of size but he is extremely educated and is looked to by his peers as being one of the most perfect Pharisees in the Sanhedrin his name is Saul of Tarsus and he's watching this whole thing go on so as Jesus goes into Jerusalem on this Sunday morning He arrives in the city. The first thing he does is he goes to the temple to worship. As he gathers at the temple to worship, huge crowds start coming in. And sick and lame and blind people are coming. And he's healing all of them. And as Jesus begins to heal them, the children began to sing songs to him and praise to him. And, and now the scribes and Pharisees in the temple proper are just furious. And they come and they go, Jesus, you can't let this. You hear what these kids are saying? You can't let this. And Jesus goes, wait a minute. Haven't you read Psalm 8? That out of the mouth of babes, praise is going to be perfected? Jesus by this time, a good portion of the day is gone. and He leaves the temple area, goes back across the Kidron Valley, goes back up the Mount of Olives and stays the night in Bethany. Monday morning, Jesus comes back to the city. On his way back to the city, he's hungry, comes by a fig tree and there's no figs on it. And he curses the fig tree and it immediately withers. It's kind of startling to the guys. Goes in and spends the day in the city 
dealing with the Pharisees. And what's happening is, it, is and, and as you read through the Gospels, you will discover that Monday through Thursday... Every day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are testing him. They come and they ask him questions. Now, is it all right for a guy to divorce his wife for any reason? Jesus goes, didn't you read what God said from the beginning? Another time they come and they go, so is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus goes, "Uh, give me a coin. Whose image is this? Caesar. Okay, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. I mean, each step of the way, they're they're just stumped by him. And then he begins giving them parables. Parables that is pointing out their religious inconsistencies. And how that they are shutting up the kingdom of God to the general populace. And they're not even going into the kingdom themselves. And so each day, as he comes into the city, this, this, this testing is constantly going on. When they come into the city on Tuesday morning, they come by the fig tree again and and the fig tree is completely withered and and Peter goes, Lord, look at the tree. Can you believe that? And Jesus goes, don't you understand? With God, all things are possible. The point wasn't about the fig tree. The point was about the lesson he was trying to teach his disciples. So he comes into the city again on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. It's preparation for Passover. And so he sends his disciples in and he tells them about a location and he says, go and let them know that your master would like to come and celebrate Passover here with with you. And so they go and they prepare the upper room for Jesus to celebrate Passover. They gather there, they gather in the upper room and the, the entire Passover celebration is about the story of Jesus. Now we... We understand, at least I I hope that maybe you have some basic understanding. Passover took place in 1446 BC. So we're we're talking we're talking over uh, over 1400 years, almost 1500 years before the time of Jesus Christ. When the, when Israel, the Jewish people, were in slavery in Egypt, and Pharaoh would not let them out of slavery. And so the Lord, the Almighty God, told Moses, you, you instruct the people that they are to take a lamb on the 14th, uh, on, on, the, on the, the 7th of Nisan. They're to take a lamb and they're to set this lamb aside and they're to examine that lamb every day. They examined that lamb every single day. They check that lamb every day. They go and they check that lamb to make sure there's no blemish in that lamb. And they do that for seven days. 
And on the 14th of Nisan, if that lamb is without blemish, then they butcher that lamb and they catch the blood of that lamb in a basin and they take hyssop and they paint the doorpost with that blood. They paint the left side first, then they paint the right side, and then they paint the top. What did they just make? A cross. Tonight, on the 14th of Nisan, the death angel is going to come through the city and throughout the entire land of Egypt. And anyone who does not have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their house, their firstborn child will die because the firstborn belongs to God. And as they, as they go through that night and they hear the horror throughout the land of the firstborn of animal and human dying that night. They're spared because of the blood of the lamb. The death angel passed over them. Pesach. Now inside the Jewish homes that had the blood of the lamb, they were, they were eating And they roasted that lamb and they ate the lamb. And the next day, they were delivered from slavery and they went out of slavery and they went towards the promised land. Passover. And God commanded them that eternally, forever and ever, they were to celebrate the Passover every year on the 14th of Nisan. On that Sunday, the man who three and a half years earlier, down by the Jordan River, the prophet John the Baptist, a son of Aaron, a priest. Of the lineage of the priesthood, John the Baptist, a priest, saw Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That Lamb came into the city on that Sunday morning and began seven days of examination. That night, as they eat the Passover, in the, in the Passover celebration, and I, I'm hoping that maybe this next year, maybe in 2019, as we go into Holy Week, maybe on Good Friday, we can, we can celebrate the Pesach Seder all together again. Because it's a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's one point in the Passover meal when the father reaches in to this special pouch. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful decorated pouch that has three compartments. And there's three loaves of matzah in that pouch. Now, historically... 
in the, in the Hebrew Jewish custom that pouch represented the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, what happened to Isaac? God told Abraham, take Isaac to the mountain and sacrifice him there, right? But God provided an animal in place of the son Isaac. Isaac was Abraham's firstborn. And God was saying to him, bring me the tithe of everything you have, your firstborn son, and you sacrifice him to me. And he took him to the mountain. And almighty God placed a, a, a ram in place of him so he didn't sacrifice Isaac. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But this night, Jesus has the disciples around him this night. Jesus reaches into that sinner loaf and he pulls out Isaac. And he breaks it. And the only begotten son of God said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And for the first time in all of history, it's understood. It wasn't Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Later that night, when they drank the cup of redemption, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is my blood. The new covenant, the new testament. This to you is off as you drink it in remembrance of me. His blood that redeems. He drank the cup. They celebrated the Passover. And then they left the upper room. And they made the journey across the Tyropenean Valley. And they either circumvented or they went over the top of the Temple Mountain across the Kidron Valley. And they came to the Mount of Olives. And at the lower part of the Mount of Olives is a beautiful garden, an olive grove. Gethsemane. The oil press. And as they arrived in that garden, Jesus loved to go there and pray. The amazing thing is, there are olive trees in that garden today that were alive at the time of Christ. It's amazing. And he goes there and he begins to pray. And that night, he was betrayed. The Lamb of God. But as he's in his prayer time, the weight of what is about to happen is upon him. And Jesus is crying out to God. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. It's not possible. He already drank the cup of redemption. It's not possible. The cup can't pass from him. 
The Lamb of God. That would save mankind from sin. The very purpose and the very reason of him coming. It all boiled down to this last week of weeks. It was all about that. And on Sunday when they examined him. And on Monday when they examined him. And on Tuesday when they examined him. And on Thursday when they examined him. And on Friday now. Friday morning. Early in the morning. Friday morning. He's been taken captive and he's been put into the prison. At the house of Caiaphas. The very steps that Jesus walked to the house of Caiaphas are still there today. Wanda and I have walked them more than one time. That cell where they held him is still there today. We've been down in that cell. And as they brought him before the high priest on Friday morning, now again, they're going to examine him. And they bring in witnesses against him. And every one of those witnesses are lying. They're paid to lie. It's a kangaroo court. And they can't even agree. And when the high priest, he's before the high priest. And when the high priest realizes that they can't come into agreement, then he stops the proceedings and he makes the final test. And he looks at Jesus Christ and he says, Are you the son of God? That's it. That's it. That's the final test. Are you the perfect lamb of God? Without blemish. Are you the perfect lamb of God? Are you the son of God? The one thing Jesus cannot do is deny his true identity. Now here's the amazing thing. Stay with me here. Here's the amazing thing. Going all the way back 1400 years. There's only one person that can offer the sacrifice that takes away the sin of the world. And it has to be a direct descendant of Aaron, Moses' brother. It has to be a Kohen. Has to be. Can't be anyone else. Jesus is standing before the high priest. There's actually two of them there. Caiaphas and Annas. And they pronounced the judgment on the Lamb of God. And they condemn him to be sacrificed. Oh, but God had made a promise. In both Isaiah and in Ezekiel, God had made a promise. That that when the eternal sacrifice was made for the redemption of mankind, that it would not just be Jewish redemption, it would be redemption for all mankind. And the two houses, the Jewish and the Gentile, would be made one in Jesus Christ. And so now he's not only going to be sentenced to judgment by the high priest 
to offer the sacrifice for the sins of mankind, but they're going to take him to the government of the Gentiles and the government of the Gentiles are going to examine him yet again. And he's going to stand before the governor Pilate, the Roman governor Pilate, and he's going to examine him and then he's going to go out to the people and go, I find no fault in him. But they want judgment anyway. The high priest insists, this is the man that's to be sacrificed. You've got to sacrifice him. And so what do they do? They take a man who is a convicted murderer, a convicted seditionist, and he is standing on the left. His name is Barabbas, a compound Hebrew word. Bar, son of. Abba, father. Son of father. All of mankind are sinners and going to hell and under the curse of death because the sins of father have been passed down to us. On this side is the son of God. That's the son of father, the human father. This is the son of God. He has been found perfect. There is no sin in him. He goes free. He goes to the cross. Friday, Friday, the morning starts with him being judged at Caiaphas judgment hall. It continues when he's judged at the Gentile judgment hall. And now at 9 a.m., he is nailed to the cross. And the son of God is hanging in the air. And the perfect lamb of God, his blood is staining the cross. Just as 1446 years before the blood of the lamb stained the cross of the doorposts of the houses. And the death angel passed over. Now the blood is staining the cross of Golgotha. As the perfect lamb of God hangs in midair. And the father lays upon him the iniquity of us all. He's wounded for our transgression. He's bruised our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed all we like sheep of God astray we've turned everyone to our own way but he has laid upon him the iniquity of us all and at three o'clock in the afternoon right when the Passover lamb is being sacrificed on the Temple Mount. Now you have to understand, the Temple Mount is actually Mount Moriah, the very place Abraham took Esau 
the very place. And on one part of that mountain is the Temple Mount. And on the Temple Mount at three o'clock in the afternoon, the Passover lamb is being sacrificed by the priesthood. But on the north end of that Temple Mount, on the north end of Mount Moriah, there is a rocky crag called Golgotha. And at three o'clock in the afternoon, on Golgotha, while the priests are offering the Passover lamb in the Temple Mount, at Golgotha, the Son of God says, It is finished. Coincidence? I don't think so. The Hebrew day goes from evening to morning. The evening and the morning were the first day of creation. The evening and the morning were the second day of creation. Sundown begins Sabbath. This is Friday. So getting near sundown, they take the body of Jesus off the cross. They, they hastily prepare him and they take him just, just a short distance away to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and they put him in the tomb. In the tomb, the Romans and the Hebrews are concerned because the prophetic words that were made. So they seal the tomb and they put guards in front of it. Friday night, all night. The guards are there. Saturday morning. The guards are there. The tomb is sealed. It's Sabbath day. Nothing happening in the city because it's a Sabbath day. Nothing's moving. People aren't moving. No one's shopping. Nothing's happening. The city is at a standstill because it's Sabbath day. The only ones moving are the Romans. But something very significant is going on beneath the earth. The son of God is in paradise. With him is one of the thieves hanging on the cross. And while Jesus is in paradise, he's preaching to two audiences. He's preaching to all of the righteous who have been held there because Satan had the keys of death and hell. But he's also declaring to those who are in hell. Read it. It's in First Peter and Second Peter. Read it. He's preaching to them. Saturday ends. Sunday morning, early in the morning. Here comes Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. And they are running to the tomb. Because now it's Sunday morning. They can finish the preparation of the body of Jesus. It's the seventh day. And it's the day that changes all of history. And that's next Sunday. But this week of weeks is the most amazing week of all of history. And yet it is a week that hardly anyone acknowledges. 
And yet it is the week that changed all of history for all of mankind. It is the week when the perfect lamb of God made the perfect sacrifice for the sins of mankind so that mankind would no longer be under the curse of sin and death, but that we could be made the perfect holiness and righteousness of almighty God. The week of all weeks. I'm going to ask you to join me in celebrating today Passover. Our Passover. This won't be like the Pesach Seder. It's just taking a small portion out of the Pesach Seder and emphasizing those two points that Jesus made. This is my body. This is my blood. I'm going to ask you as we go into this week of weeks, often called Holy Week, would you take the time each day to read a portion of Holy Week? out of one or more of the gospels and let it speak to you in a special way. I didn't have time this morning. In fact, I better look at my time. I didn't have time this morning to go in. Right in the middle of that week, it's, it's Jesus talks about his second coming. It's recorded in the gospel of Matthew chapter 24, 25. Luke also records it in Luke chapter 19 and chapter 20. It's interesting. It's in that week of time when he is under examination as the Lamb of God that he reveals, I'm coming a second time. That's our hope. That's our hope. Would you prepare your heart to receive? If you're with us for the first time, we don't have closed communion. You're welcome to join us. We're going to ask everyone to please hold the bread and hold the cup. And we'll all eat the bread together. We'll all drink the cup together. Please come.
writer of Hebrews said that your human body was prepared for you for one reason that it might be the sacrifice for the sins of mankind that you might take upon yourself in your body all of our sin and our iniquity and as the payment of sin is death you would die in our place so we wouldn't have to die Lord we can't in our wildest imagination conceive how great that burden must have been Lord as we hold this matzah in our hand we are remembering that just as this matzah has been cut and pierced, you were wounded for our transgression, not your own. You were bruised for our iniquity, not your own. Yes. The chastisement of our peace was laid upon you, the Prince of Peace. And you were flawed that we might be healed. And then Father laid upon you our iniquity. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. We express to you the full gratitude of our heart. And we say thank you, Jesus. For doing this all for us. We humble ourselves to you. We say, Jesus, may we now take up our cross and follow you and become a true disciple of you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may eat the bread. blood on the doorpost that delivered from the death angel it was your blood on the cross and has now stained the mercy seat of heaven that delivers us from the death angel death now has no more power over us no sting of death in our life because we have been raised to eternal life in you Jesus That same spirit that raised you from the dead has raised us from the dead. Hallelujah. Jesus, we praise you. And this blood adopts us into the family of God and makes us heirs and joint heirs with you. Hallelujah. Jesus, praise you. And as your disciples, we choose to follow you. And we choose to lay down self. And we choose to lay down our pride. We choose to lay down our own will. And embrace your will. And if we find any pride, it's in you, Jesus. And who you are. None of our own. You, Lord. Lamb of God. 
Jesus, as we partake of this cup, we identify that we are redeemed. We are the company of the redeemed. And we give you praise, Jesus. All glory and honor to you. Amen. You may drink the cup. And would you stand with me, please? As you could tell from the PowerPoint, this wasn't my intended message for today. But I pray the power of it is deep in your heart. And that this Holy Week, you will think through in your own life personally. Jesus, you said, if any man would be my disciple, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. And would you this holy week ask yourself authentically that question? Am I living by that standard in my life? Dead to self, alive to him. Dead to my own will, living by his. And boy, next Sunday when we get to celebrate that seventh day. What a day. What a day. I can't wait to share that story with you. It's going to be fun. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, let me speak a blessing into your life this week. Would you hold your hands up, please? Lord Jesus, as we enter into this week of all weeks, oh, Lord Jesus, celebrating what you have done for us. I pray the joy and the peace and the reality of that week comes alive in their heart. And Lord, it will be alive like never before. And the blessing and the richness of it will be deep and full. In Jesus' holy name, amen. God bless you, dear ones. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541 567 or email us at info at winacity.com.